0: Welcome to the Action Practice Building Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Bognar, and I help therapists fill their practices with good fit clients while strengthening their communities and holding on to their values. Therapy has the power to make the world a better place, little by little, person by person, in a profound and cumulative way. And yet, so many therapists are underutilized or struggle to fill their caseloads. My dream for you is a full, bustling practice that allows you to do the work you love, work with the issues you care about, and make enough money to feel relaxed and secure. I've done that for myself, and I'm here to show you how to do it too. I'm glad you're here. Let's take action together. And a feeling, it's Action, practice building. Action Practice Building. Welcome. My name is Nick Bognar. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in Pasadena, California. It is my delight to bring you the Action Practice Building podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to shine a light on the ways that therapists can build their caseloads while following their values and making their community better. I'm going to provide you with actionable steps from my own playbook, as well as from experts from all around the world. Here are my values around this podcast and the advice within it, and it's a long list, but values are important. As you all know, you are therapists, but here are my initial eight values around this podcast. Number one, the highest priority always has to be the quality of treatment for the client. A lot of us come from a pretty scared place when we're contemplating whether to say yes or no to a new client. And I want you folks listening to this podcast to feel comfortable saying no and knowing that there are more than enough clients out there for you to have a thriving business. From now on, you are making quality of care for your clients your first priority. Number two, success for my friends is success for me. I'm delighted in the success that I've had as a therapist, and I want to lift up the people around me so that they can experience the same quality of life that I do. Plenty of people feel that very human inclination towards jealousy or competition, but I want us to lean into being genuinely happy for success for others. Which leads me to number three. I am never competing with anyone and neither are you. There's only one Nick Bognar and a very small number of people get to work with him. There's only one you and only a certain number of people are lucky enough to work with you. You are special and a relationship with you is the thing that you are offering people. You and I are not interchangeable. So when you're out there meeting people and trying to do business, remember that your goal is to help clients, including those who aren't yours, have great outcomes and to help other people build their business. If you do this, your business will also be built. Number four, we want to discuss issues of power and privilege inside the therapy room and outside of it. That means that we need to be sensitive and aware of the power that we wield as therapists in the room, even if we don't want to, and also of our privilege and our blind spots out in the world at large. We're not obligated to do this, and some of our colleagues will never do this, but it's important in order to improve client outcomes for everyone and to make the world of therapy and the world at large a more diverse and inclusive place. I understand that my journey to where I am today has been eased significantly by a lot of privilege, and one of the things I hope to do with action practice building is to spread out some of the advantages I've had, such as killer mentorship and advice that I got just because of relationships I lucked into having to other people who didn't benefit from the same systems that I have. Number five, we name names here. We don't shame people, but we go out of our way to name people who are doing incredible work that we like. The world is better the more awareness people have of the truly gifted therapists in our field. So when I think of someone I know who's doing great work, I will name their name and I want you to do that too. In a broader sense, we look for opportunities to make introductions between people who will be better off knowing each other. This is one of the cornerstones. Number six, we understand that not everyone is our people and that doesn't make them or us bad. It means that the world is a diverse and interesting place. Our goal is not to separate into good or bad camps, but rather to find our people and draw them closer to us and to help others do the same. Number seven, there's no shame in wanting to be successful and financially sound. We work hard to get our licenses, and we work hard to keep them and to help people. In most fields, this would mean that we could seek financial reward and stability without shame. But in our field, the lines between business and helper are truly blurred. As a result, a lot of clinicians hurt themselves and don't do their best work. Now, this is not a therapy podcast. This is a business podcast. And it's about doing business ethically so that we can help ourselves and our community. On a related note, number eight. The insurance world is fucked and I believe that it's not our job to fix it. There are people who would tell you that taking insurance is a value that they have and if that's true, then good for them. But for my part, I do not recommend taking insurance and I try to help people build practices that are 100% off insurance panels. This can be upsetting to people and I get it. We should be able to use our insurance without hassle to get our therapy, I agree with that. But that being said, insurance therapists make on average much, much less than private pay therapists with more hassles And the purpose of the entire thing is to keep insurance companies, which are giant for profit monsters, from having to pay for people's treatments. I don't participate in that system as a clinician, and I don't endorse it for anybody else. Each therapist can decide it for themselves, but I believe that change will happen with the insurance companies when their clients insist on better terms and not us. Number nine. Did I say there were eight? There are nine values here. We have to talk about successes and failures. One of my big pet peeves in the world of therapy is that everyone is eager to share all of their mega successes. And very few people share the failures and stumbles. The result is that those of us who are human are standing by, listening, wondering if everyone is successful and perfect except for us. That's nonsense. And worst of all, it's isolating. So we have to talk about the successes and the failures, even though that's tough. Now, I'm sure there will be more values that emerge, but those are the nine that were coming to me right now. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about why I'm making this podcast and what you can expect from us over the next several weeks. My story of becoming a therapist is one that you've heard a lot before, even if not from me. I had another career, and I hated it, and I got a lot out of my own therapy, and then I was encouraged to become a therapist myself. Easy peasy, happens a lot. I think a lot of, uh, majority of therapists have more or less exactly this origin story for their career. Another part of the story is just as common, but more painful. Once I got done with the two years in grad school and I got 3,000 hours of supervised work, working for nothing and sometimes paying to work with $50,000 of student loans hanging over my head, the realization that I had to start a business hit me like a ton of bricks. I had left the business world. That was the one I got so sick of before I became a therapist. Oh my God, i had always just found therapists. Didn't this mean that people were just going to find me? And the answer to this is complicated. In short, yes, people will find you no matter what. There is a great, great need for therapists out there. And you could turn off this podcast right now and wait and your caseload will fill. It just works like that. The demand is large. So this podcast is not about do this thing or you'll never do business. I don't want you to feel scared at any point. And I don't want you to feel like the solutions I'm giving you are something that you have to do or else your practice won't fill. This is to help you do business better. Because you see, the thing I hated most of all was sitting on my hands and waiting for my phone to ring. I did the stuff that we all do. I made a Psych Today profile. I created a website. I got a private practice internship. And then the calls were so sporadic. And a lot of the time, they were from people who weren't a good fit for me, whether that was because their presenting issues were outside my talent or my skill, or because they couldn't afford therapy with me, or even just that they didn't want to come every week, which is important for me. So there I was in my office, twiddling my thumbs, quietly panicking, wishing that I could do anything to get clients. I don't know if you remember this feeling of desperation. I remember it so well. It felt like all of my peers were filling up, charging more than me, doing work that they enjoyed, and I just couldn't get going. The advice from established therapists that I got was really vague and unhelpful. I think that they all used the wait until it happens method that I talked about before, the one where you just, you know, you just suck it up and you wait, and then eventually your practice fills. But I couldn't tolerate that. I was sick of waiting tables. I had an office, I had a degree, and later a license, and I wanted to work. I did the awful rounds of trying to put my business cards in people's hands. I felt gross. I hated asking people for clients. Have you had this experience too? I'm talking about when you go to a camp meeting or some other networking event and everyone seems comfortable and established and you're just wondering who can give you business and how you can persuade them to give you business or how you can give them your business card or invite them to coffee without looking like you're asking them out. It's such a gross feeling. And then one day I thought, fuck it. By the way, there's a lot of swearing in this podcast, so be ready for that. One day I thought, fuck it, fuck all this. I'm sick of the strategy. I'm sick of trying to roll, a, roll up on other therapists who don't care about me and begging them for something. I had a camp talk to attend that same day, and the thought of handing out more business cards just sounded like the worst fucking thing I could imagine. I decided that I was going to go to the talk and I was going to go make a friend or some friends. I was just too tired to try to sparkle. When I got to the event, I saw a therapist that I had met sometime before that, and I went over and talked with her, and it felt So much better trying to get to know her and just really enjoying her for who she was uh, than trying to figure out how to build a business uh, that I did just that for the rest of the event. Now, before you get ahead of yourself, that therapist has never sent me business. And that's not what this is about. She's awesome. She's a great therapist. I like her a lot, but I didn't build my business with her. Back to the talk. Talk was amazing. And here I'm going to name some names. The talk was by a therapist named Christina Martirosian who runs Pasadena Trauma Therapy and is every bit as gifted a presenter as she is a therapist. She gave a killer talk on dissociative identity disorder and the ways that she works with those folks, which anyone will tell you is tough work that requires a very nuanced touch. Christina killed it at this talk and I was riveted. And when everything was done, I said goodbye to the friends I was chatting with and went home and told my wife all about the event. And then I went out to pick up hamburgers. At the hamburger place, The person ahead of me in line was none other than Christina Martirosian herself. I felt weird, but I had to approach her and tell her what an incredible job she did with the talk. She was kind and magnanimous, and we talked shop for a while. And wouldn't you know it, Christina has introduced me to some of the very best clinicians I know to this day. I didn't start building my practice with self-promotion. I built it with relationships. And to this day, I still build it with relationships. Building a therapy business is more like the practice of therapy than any of us imagined. You meet people, you make a connection, you build rapport, get curious, and really come from a place of loving other people. And that is all the promotion you need. The purpose of this podcast is to help you, whoever you are, feel comfortable going out and building relationships and building a community around yourself and your practice. That community will nourish and sustain you and your colleagues and your clients. There's no magic bullet building a practice is work, but if you want to work, and if you want to make your community better and be successful beyond your wildest dreams, I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm glad you're here. Until next time.